Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Mezcal Collective of Las Perlas in downtown Los Angeles, we had Robin Chopra in the house with Tequila Partida. But we unwound the entire world of tequila going back and doing a blind comparative with an ancestral Mezcal, an ancestral tequila, a mixto tequila, and then the beautiful line of Tequila Partida, the Blanco and the Reposado. Check out the podcast. Be sure to tell your friends about us. If they are geeks in the world of liquor, they want to know about us, so let them know. Always enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means if you're listening as you're driving, that doesn't mean it's cool to drink. <laughs> no, 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 no. Knows how to do it. Come on now. All right, all right, all right. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Mezcal Collective. Thanks for coming out tonight. Happy Wednesday to everyone. Ooh, it's a hot summer night in LA, baby. Indeed. I'm feeling it. Yeah. But we have a great event for you guys. So we've got Robin Chopra in the house. Woo! From yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate the love. Yeah, right? Little industry love in the house tonight a lot of it <laughs> but um so robin is representing tequila partida but he wanted he's been in the mezcal collective before i have so yeah. he came in tonight hoping to do something a little deeper with the education indeed so yeah. so robin tell us what what you had in mind so like pedro mentioned i worked for tequila partida an amazing premium agave spirit coming from the lowlands of Jalisco. But truth be told, beyond tequila, my passion for agave spirits really covers the whole category. It's something I've been very passionate and inspired by. So on that note, and really in the spirit of the Mezcal Collective, I wanted to do something a little more educational and really look at the, the category as a whole and kind of do a, a progressive tasting of agave spirits that lead us to tequila looking at something that could be looked at as an ancestral agave spirit, something that would have been made hundreds of years ago and then walking forward in time. Um, really just, again, in the spirit of this amazing place and, and everything that we try to do with the collective, uh, trying to just uh, do something fun and uh, a little bit experimental. Truth be told, uh, this is my first time doing this, so we might be um, maybe uh, finding ourselves with more questions than answers, but at the end of the day, we're going to be enjoying some delicious agave spirits and having fun in the meantime so That's thank right. you for joining us oh it's a great thing it's a great yeah. thing so we're going to do a blind comparative so for the first few marks here we're going to be tasting these without knowing which brand anything is so this would be a really great chance to kind of deepen your own sense of awareness of like the differences between mezcal tequila but I don't want to get in. Robin, I'll let you yeah, take it here. Yeah, no worries. So, I mean, really, in 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 all fairness, and since I I can't, I'm not really at liberty to, to speak on these other brands. I figured let's do it blind, um, really, so we can talk about about the category um, as a whole. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, dear. Thank you very much. Um, so, to start things off, I want to I want to pose a question. Um, if I were a young man in Oaxaca and I wanted to go and, and ask for a young lady's hand in marriage, uh, what is something that I might uh, present to her in that, in that uh, process? Any guesses? A ring. 
Sean says a ring. A ring is certainly the traditional answer, but well, there's something else that, that, I, that I'm thinking of. Maybe a barrel of mezcal? Precisely, yes, mezcal. Uh, and let's say... Uh, maybe not a whole barrel. Maybe not a whole barrel, depending on, depending on how much of a baller maybe you are. Maybe a plastic water bottle. That's actually probably more accurate. Um, but let's say um, she says yes, and then we get married. We have an amazing ceremony. Um, what do you think we might be enjoying at that wedding to celebrate? Exactly. And then let's say we have a kid, and uh, that baby is born. What do we think we're, we're celebrating over again? Exactly, mezcal. point I'm getting at is... The spirit that you have in your hands and agave spirits in general have always represented a very sacred uh, kind of ceremonial piece in terms of, uh, in terms of the Mexican culture, in terms of day-to-day -day life. Um, really, the spirits of Mexico and the agave spirits in general uh, aren't just about enjoying and imbibing, but it really it's about the culture. Um, when we talk about agave spirits, we're talking about uh, a plant that has been really a cornerstone for civilizations for thousands of years, right? I mean, you know, you, when you talk about pre-Hispanic cultures, uh, the agave was used for myriads of different uh, uses. Uh, it was used to, for, for threads, for, for weaponry. Uh, I mean, all types of different things, right? There's proof that perhaps the Toltec people and the Aztecs were using one-time distilled agave-based spirits for ceremonial uses, human sacrifice even. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just embedded in, the <laughs> uh, in, in, this, in this, this amazing culture. Um, so to start this, this journey as we taste and we make our way to tequila, we're starting with what is essentially a very ancestral version of mezcal. This is something um, similar to what would have been made hundreds of years ago. Uh, this is not just uh, Blue Weber Agave, which is what use, is used in tequila. This is actually a blend. So this is a blend of uh, Espadín, the most popular variety used in Mezcal, and Mexicano. It's essentially what you would call a field blend because you know, when you're looking at the way things were done a long time ago, it wasn't about cultivation and picking specific varieties. It's really about what is ripe. And that's, that's what you have here. Furthermore, these agaves are cooked in the traditional style of mezcal in an earthen pit in the ground, very slow, incorporating a lot of those kind of uh, traditional mezcal notes. And furthermore, it is milled by hand. That means that once they're cooked, the mezcal is broken down in probably the most painstaking, artisanal way possible, and that is literally with wooden mallets, which is pretty like, incredible. Yeah, I've, I've been to some of these little palenques where they're actually... There's like a, a trough that's in stone, and they essentially have giant baseball bats, not yeah. baseball bats, but big planks of wood, thick mallets, like a mallet, not like a hammer, but more shaped like a giant club, that that is how they crush the agaves, and it is super hard work. Exactly. I mean, we, you know, a lot of times we talk about the tajona and how that's like, you know, the, the, the artisanal method, but really beating cooked agave with a giant wooden mallet, it doesn't get much more artisanal than that. Um, so that's essentially uh, part of the process of the liquid that you have in here. Uh, we're looking at open fermentation, completely natural, unadulterated, just the yeast that exist uh, in the environment, um, and then distilled in a clay pot 
again, a very primitive method of distillation. Um, quick note on distillation in general. Um, there's actually not a consensus on how distillation uh, came to Mexico. Uh, there's some evidence on prehistoric methods. Some people say that it was uh, brought by the Spaniards or the Philippines via the Spaniards. Um, but essentially, you're looking at the, the most primitive form of distillation that's possible, and that's in a clay, uh, a clay pot still. And clay pot stills date all the way back to what we would now call Pakistan over 5,000 years ago. So even if, if, if you wanted to find distillation using a copper pot still, yeah, we could say the Spaniards brought that. Right. But it's possible that through other means, people coming from the other shores yes. could have introduced other folks into basic clay pot distillation. It's really hard to verify that historically, obviously, because clay pots disintegrate completely into <laughs> exactly. dust. Yeah. And so this, it's really hard to go back. But if you think of a, a, a clay pot um, still is essentially, it's a double boiler. You've got one clay pot with another clay pot on top of it. You create a kind of hood inside of it to capture condensation. You stick a reed through the arm of this clay pot and catch those drips as that alcohol condenses back into liquid. It's something that anyone with some really basic technology could have done. You don't need a conquistador to show you that. Exactly, and that's that's the kind of the story that I like to think is is the the reality is that that uh, you know these pre-Hispanic civilizations discovered it on their own. Given the fact that again, you know, the, the agave and all of its uh, you know kind of alcoholic iterations were so intricate or integral to their culture. Um, so that's essentially what we have here. Uh, so I invite you guys all to take a whiff. A mystery, yourself. a mystery spirit here. Mezcal artisanal. Exactly. Ancestral. Which brand we don't know. Ancestral. So exactly. clay pot still. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What thoughts come to mind as you smell this mezcal ancestral? It's gluey. It's got it's got That's cool like slate to it, like this petrichor and smoke. What oh, are you yeah. guys getting? I get like a chocolatey note actually on the nose here. Sean, what are you getting? Earthy, earthy really earthy. Again, that clay pot still. Absolutely. One of the things about using a copper pot still is that there's an interaction between the metal of the still, the copper, and the distillate. You don't have that here, so it's gonna. All, a lot of that earthiness, which could be considered like these sulfites that are naturally occurring in any uh, agricultural product, that could be coming across more here. A yeah. really, really beautiful earthy bitterness. Which I yeah. Love. So why don't we why don't we give this a little sip? Mm. Wow, it's actually really fruity. A lot of fruit. What are you guys getting on this one? Cedar, mm. excellent. Melon. Yeah, I get a little bit of melon as well. Really rich smoke. To me, I get some chocolate and berries in here. Maybe I'm crazy, but I get wet earth, these like piney or cedary notes in there. Yeah. It's really complex and beautiful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think this really speaks to the complexity of agave spirits in general. Um, you get so much wild flavor. You get so much, so much... Um, just, just had a beautiful depth. And again, speaking to my love of agave spirits, I think, I think this kind of personifies a lot of what makes the category so special is it tells a story and there's just depth to it. 
but we're not going to tell you what it is. We're doing blind comparative today to start off with. So. Say again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I will I will tell you that the the ABV you're looking at about I think it's just a scotch over 50%. I think it's like 50.5. So so yeah, pretty pretty up there. So um, 100 proof the kind of spirit that'll change the way you feel about reality almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And another thing kind of just to comment back on on that ancestral production. I mean, a lot of this is done without any kind of scientific uh, analysis. I mean, really it's kind of like the 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 art of the maker, you know, a lot of it's done uh, intuitively or it's been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. Not uh, so much intuitively, but more generational. Uh, like sure, right, yeah. Sharing, it's, yeah, it's learned, but then, you know, at, at the same time, passed I think. So for like what the name of this bar is Las Perlas, right. and in the ancestral method, the Las Perlas, the pearls are the little bubbles as the distillate comes off of the Master Mescalero, he or she can tell what the alcohol content exactly. is by how long those bubbles stay together, basically. The, the perlas reveal the, the, the proof of the distillate. And they don't have alcohol meters in rural Oaxaca, up in the mountains. It's not like they've got all this like fancy equipment. They learn it through like touch and feel and exactly. sight, you know? You have the agave plant. Obviously, it's rich with sugars. Um, sap will naturally uh, release from it. Those, those sugars will ferment. So once pulque was discovered, it really became a key part of pre-Hispanic civilizations' uh, celebrations and, and ceremonies. Um, really, really kind of the, the beginning of the story, so to speak. Yeah, the ancient peoples, the, the Aztecs and the Toltecs, were able to, there's certain varietals of agaves, which are pulque agaves, in which you can carve, you can basically cut into the top of the plant and make a little bowl, and then the plant trying to heal itself will fill up with liquid. The sap is this this pulque sap. You can then, you know, with a clay pitcher, put it into a little clay bowl and it'll refill. It's like an agave plant kind of thing. Like when, I mean, um, an aloe vera plant. Right. Like the liquid will keep filling up that bowl. And if you keep scooping it out for three or four days, you can still be filling up a clay pot full of this juice that'll rapidly ferment into essentially a natural beer. Exactly. Or, or an agave wine. Sure. Pulque. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And if I and I, I would have loved to have uh, had some for you guys to taste. I actually uh, was trying to source some, but it's uh, not the easiest. It's it's kind of around here. It's not there's not a ton of pulque ideas. Ramirez Brothers has got it in the can, but the best pulque. I've, is, I've heard that the canned pulque is questionable. It's well, it's it's pulque. It's just not as good as like. It's really easy. There are some restaurants here locally. There's a oh my goodness. There's a taco truck guy who makes it. I can't reveal. The I've name driven right past now. a guy. Uh, I think it's like on Olympic, and I've seen the sign. And it's and every time I drive by it, I, I, I want to like whip around and 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 He's pick some up. He's making pulque here in LA, and he'll sell it to you in these plastic milk jugs, and it's legit. Yeah, you've tried home it. Homebrew pulque. It's excellent. I love yes. it. In Which Oaxaca is... City, when you go to a lot of bars, they actually have a house-made pulque. So they'll actually just, because it ferments naturally in-house, you can just put it in a clay pot in a couple days. You've got beautiful, it, it, it tends to be a little bit like kombucha. It gets really cloudy. It's got strands in it, like, of, like, back, um, it's, a, it's a funky brew, but it's, it's funky, it's, but it's nice. Good. It almost looks milky, but it drinks like beer. Yeah, I think we might have to do another, uh, 
maybe Mezcal Collective on Pulque alone, right? That would that would be a lot of fun. We're booking you in, Robin. Hey, Stephanie's like writing it down right now. Sign me up. We'll, we'll we just gotta find the supply and, and we'll make it happen. Um, okay. Awesome. So we've got the second uh, spirit in our glass. Um, we're actually gonna fast forward and, and cover a, a lot of ground here, but let's let's see let's see if we can we can do it. So in your glass is a tequila, but it's it's actually uh, what the the producer is calling an ancestral tequila. That's not an, an official uh, kind of category, but they're basically creating a tequila in the style that would have been hundreds of years ago. Um, really, when tequila was was produced in the same style of Mezcal, so cooked in an earthen pit, uh, milled by hand with wooden mallets, but uh, it is 100% Blue Weber agave, which is the agave that specifically tequila can only be made with. It's made in Jalisco um, at, a, at a very prominent uh, tequila distillery, uh, but uh, nonetheless, it is tequila. It is, it is not a mezcal. So I brought this for you guys today because I, I wanted to talk about the, the kind of transition from mezcal to tequila. How did we get there? Essentially, the very quick story is that in the state of Jalisco, in the town of Tequila, uh, there was kind of a proliferation of distillers that were, at the time, there was no tequila. It was all mezcal. But the style that was being made in the town of Tequila became very well known. It became known as Tequila de Mezcal. Naturally, as this kind of became the, the prominent production source for um, the developing category, that name Mezcal de, te or Mezcal de Tequila got dropped off and it just became known as Tequila. So we'll kind of continue the conversation as we go into the, the consecutive spirits about really where that industry has gone. Well, for me, I'd like to think of Tequila as being kind of the the industrialization of sorts of the agave-based spirits world. Of course. So yes, I mean tequila, it's essentially like, essentially Blue Weber is a descendant of the Espadine. So that first I forgot um, that part. Hundred so percent. Yes. The ancestral mother is the Espadine. When they wanted to scale up and try to like people in tequila, like let's make this for the world, or at least let's start selling this all over Mexico. Exactly. They, they, yes. They located a varietal, the Blue Weber, that they could then readily. High sugar content, uh, comparative to a lot of the wild agaves, it matures relatively quicker. Uh, you can get a, a mature agave, you know, in the realm of seven years plus. Uh, whereas some of the wild agaves that that were growing just all over would take twenty, sometimes you know, twenty-five plus years. Um, so, so Blue Weber agave really represented the future of the industry. Um, so that's 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 really where where we're at now. And so what we have here. An ancestral tequila. I invite you guys all to take a whiff. Yeah, stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What food words come to mind, or what are you reminded of as you smell this ancestral tequila? It smells like vodka, really. What kind of tequila? Matza, I'm getting a cheesiness too. It's cleaner, okay. It does not smell like vodka to me, but it is cheesy. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. like a like a spearmint kind of. Uh, that, that's like petrichor, like that wet earth, that wet cement, you know. It's minerality, banana peel. That's great. What are you guys getting? A little cheesy. That's what she said. So that comes from that fermentation. Yeah. Do you know? With this, we we don't we're not going to reveal it yet, but like 
were they using as they started to upscale production yeah. and try to make tequila for the world? Were they starting to bring in bags of yeast? Because ancestral mezcal, they're just using wild yeast. It's yeah, not like this, this like, is definitely um, wild yeast. Um, this, this specific producer created this line as like an experiment to because it's made at a distillery that that um, is is a bit more modern. I wouldn't say they're like industrial, but it's a more modern distillery. Um, that, that doesn't normally do this. I mean, I, I really don't know of any other producers that are doing earthen pit cooked tequilas um, because that's that's super not traditional. That's that's like the way that mezcal is made. But again, when tequila kind of bloomed and became this whole industry, uh, it, it wasn't done that way. So, But I know with this specific brand, they're, they're going all natural. They're going all ancestral. Basically, essentially creating a mezcal-style tequila. 100%. Yeah, with this with this specific bottle, I mean, this is not a mass-produced product. Afterwards, you know, I mean, I'll show you guys what it is and, and we can talk about it some more. Um, but yeah, this is this is a, a very rare tequila. So you guys just... So it's kind of, it's like, it's like tequila taking a step back in time, so to speak. Because in the industrialization process, like I was saying, like, in order to bring tequila to the world, they had to upscale that clay pot idea into something much bigger and use column stills or, or at least a lot of pot stills side by right, side. Right, or, or just larger facilities. The the cooking method came from the ground and then it came up into brick ovens, subsequently um, autoclaves, which the, the third tequila we're going to taste is steamed in uh, stainless steel autoclaves. Um, and really talking about the, just to touch on the industrialization of tequila, I mean, this is really something that happened around the turn of the century um, as a way for producers to look to the world and figure out how do we sell this not just, you know, within our, within our villages and our communities as a, as a ceremonial spirit, but how do we make this into something bigger, something that can compete on the world stage, um, just like cognacs or scotches or whiskeys, you know? How do we make a Mexican spirit that can be enjoyed and spread across the world. And that's really what the, the story of tequila is, is, is the Mexican spirit spreading and proliferating across the country. And this would have been really the beginning of it. This is the beginning of tequila and its journey. Lovely. Uh, we'll talk about it after. That's what we're doing a blind So I work, I work for... It will be reveals. Yeah, I, I work for Tequila Partida. Um, and again, so in, the, in all fairness, and since I really can't uh, speak to these brands, you know, with authority, uh, we're doing it blind, really as a comparative tasting, to, to, to see what tequila, how it's evolved, how mezcal has evolved into tequila. Which is fun because we're stripping away the marketing. You're just really getting a chance to experience your own palate. It doesn't matter what the brand is. It's like, do you like it? And why do you like it? There's certain aspects of the flavor profile that you may like. I like... There's this appley note. There's a cedary note. That's what I like. I, cedar, I like yeah. that wet earth. I like that funky cheese. You know what I mean? Like, this is a you don't like the funky cheese. All right. <laughs> yes, question. Uh, so, mezcal and tequila actually have what's called a, a DO, a denomination of origin, meaning that it can only be made in specific places, uh, by specific plants, so no. Because mezcal can only come from the, the country of Mexico within certain um, states, certain uh, agave varieties. It has a pretty pretty broad spectrum in terms of those agave varieties and production styles. Tequila, on the other hand, is kind of the more focused uh, little brother of the spirit. 
still the DO uh, denominates that it can only be made in Mexico, specifically Jalisco, and only from the Blue Weber agave. Yes. Which is not to say that they can't make it if they have agaves in Honduras. They just can't call it mezcal. Exactly. Could, it could be, uh, you know, a, a distillate. have another name for it. Yes. And, and, and that's, that's actually a great question because that really plays into the story or the greater story of tequila. You know, when, when tequila was really booming and first, uh, you know, all the efforts that these initial kind of um, trailblazers of tequila, you know, that, that were uh, looking out to the world in terms of like how we can grow this brand. As it started gaining popularity in the turn of the century around, you know, post-prohibition in America, there started to be producers in other countries that were like, hey, look at this spirit that's so popular. Let's call this tequila coming from, from Spain or coming from other, other parts of the country. Obviously, that's not cool. That's not going to help grow this, this, you know, kind of um, this, this cultural icon. So that's where the, the DO comes into place. That's where, it, you know, the Mexican government is like, no, in order for you to sell tequila, it has to be from Mexico, from this specific place, uh, and that's really how spirits grow. But there's plenty of, like here in LA, people grow agaves as decorative plants for their yards. You could dig up that pina, you know, roast it in your oven in your house if yeah. you wanted to, and like chop it up and make some agave wine, and then use a little double boiler to make yourself some agave-based spirit. You just couldn't call it mezcal by law, and you couldn't call it tequila by law, because they own those names. But there's producers in northern Mexico that are making like Ricea and Bacanora. Right. Yeah. And that's why they, they're marketing it as such. They don't really call it mezcal. They call it specific to the varietal that right. they're producing. And they call it sotol because it's made from sotol. But, and you'll see that as this market starts yeah, to the, expand. The, the big one right now that I've seen is there's more destilados de agave. So just agave distillate, which is essentially just... A, a, any type of agave made anywhere in Mexico, and, and if I'm not mistaken, that that term is not regulated yet, right? Not yet. Not yet. I know like there's been the there's been what they're some... trying to do is they're trying to make it the overarching kind of definition. It's just right. agave-based distillates. Yes. So um, yeah, there's 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 a lot of uh, interesting developments happening in this wild world of agave spirits. What do you guys think of that ancestral tequila? Oh, I think I think, cheesy, I, I think we got. No. I think we're on to the third. No. Yeah, the third. Sorry, okay, I know, okay. I know we, we, we're getting deep in conversation here, so we're going to... We're nerd core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my goal. My goal was let's just dive deep and nerd out. Um, so, uh, right now, we're basically, again, fast-forwarding. We tasted an ancestral tequila, something that represented really uh, the turn from when ancestral mezcals started to become tequilas. Now, we're looking at the hyper-industrialization um, of tequila, which is what's known as like a mixto tequila, something that is produced in a method that really is looking at how we can extract the most out of the agave for the lowest price possible. So the spirit that we're looking at here is essentially what you would see, um, you know, in, in like a, in, well, I mean, Costco sells some decent tequilas, but you're really looking at like bottom of the barrel in terms of quality and, 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 I don't want to say that disparagingly, even though that I just did. But this is, really, this is mass-produced, mass-produced tequila. It's it's what's called a mixto, which is actually 51% agave sugars and 49% uh, miscellaneous. It could be sugar cane, it could be grain alcohol. But really, what you're looking at is the attempt to bring the price down as low as possible. 
And the reason I wanted to taste this was really because if you go to your average bar, definitely not uh, you know an, an enig enigmatic uh, agave bar like this, which you know obviously is serving some of the best agave available. But if you were to go like to an El Torito or to your local dive bar and you ask them for a well shot, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get most likely a mixto tequila. Um, so comparatively speaking, even though this is you know pretty much bottom shelf, I wanted to taste it. I wanted to to. You know, have you guys sip it and really it's just really explore? It's really good to do these kind of blind comparatives because, like, don't think that you're so fancy that you might not like this. Because, like, really, I was surprised that this wasn't. I mean, I'm just don't be a snob, all right? Like, just like open your mind. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Just try it, and if you like it, you like it. Don't be ashamed about it. It's not about like I only buy ancestral mezcal. That's bullshit. Yeah. You know, like, when in Rome, enjoy who you're with, enjoy the spirits that are served. If someone, you go to someone's house, and they're pouring out some tequila, like, yeah. drink it and enjoy their company. You don't have to judge everything as being like, oh, wait a minute, this is made with a diffuser. I'm not going to drink it, you know? like Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and you know, me being, you know, uh, uh, an individual in... in Working for, for a spirits company, you know, I mean, I have my, my own standards, but at the end of the day, judgment is not one of them. Um, so this is really just about kind of an educational glimpse into what, you know, let's just call it what it is, bottom shelf tequila. Uh, so I invite you guys all to, to take a sip of this. And, yeah, well, uh, to me, like when I say I do smell or a vodka whiff. on this, I smell the grain alcohol aspect. There's like, there's an astringency. So I think of it's almost like a agave flavored vodka in a way, because I, I still smell the agave, but the alcohol hits my nose first. Yeah, like, I get a little bit of like um like a pool pool water kind of thing going on. So a little chlorine. A little bit of chlorine, yeah. And I, and I will say, um, so, you know, part of part of uh, tequila, there's like the one percent rule where you know you can use up to one percent of um, additives. So without a doubt, what you're tasting here is. 51% agave, um, a bunch of additives that, that, you know, are there to bolster the flavor so that it tastes more like a tequila. There's definitely, it, it is nice, right? It smells sweet. They could add sugars. They could add some caramel coloring or, like, things to make it a little more chocolatey, those kind of, like, caramel notes. Yeah, some glycerin, maybe. For mouthfeel, texturing agents. Yeah. These are all allowed in mixed dose. Yeah, Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, interesting. And not that bad. Like you said, it's sweet. It's not that bad. Like, not that bad. I, I mean, honestly, when I... don't when, know what it is, it's like... When I, when, I put this, when I put this together, I, yeah, I, I kind of was worried I might be sh shooting myself in the foot because we were going to find out. It's like, hey, Mixto is actually not that bad. Um, that being said, you know, when not tasting spirits blind, we can take a glimpse into the brands and then we can make decisions in terms of like what we're investing our money in, what are the practices of those brands, how they're respecting the land, the agave. Um, so without that, you know, we're only getting one dimension of the story. Um, but again, very interesting, right? Right. And I mean, you have to understand, like probably this Mixto is a giant brand. I'm guessing this yeah. is like a really huge, well-known brand. Yeah, exactly. But and the other reason I... It's like, just because they're big, that doesn't mean they're bad because like... Obviously, they're doing something, right? Because millions of people enjoy it all the time. And the other reason I wanted us to taste that is because in reality, that is what probably most people are tasting. Granted, they're probably getting it in like a $5 margarita. Um, but, you know, in reality, that's out there. If we're talking about education and tasting and learning through tasting, you can't, you can't skip the cheap stuff. So, 
Oh, no. I can't. No, I mean, well, only because, again, like, I'm, I'm not authorized to speak on behalf of those brands. Mostly because... No, no, we'll do it. We'll do it at the end. Only because, I mean, again, I work for Tequila Partida, and and you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of other brands. So that's a conversation, you know, off mic. We can talk about it. If you guys want to taste some more of uh, the the mezcal or the ancestral tequila, come on by and we'll 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 chat. Um, so. So Stephanie's coming around with the first mark of Tequila Partida. Exactly. So this is the brand that I have the privilege of, uh, of educating and talking about Tequila Partida. This brand was founded in 2005 as a collaboration between an entrepreneur by the name of Gary Shansby and most notably an agavero or an agave farmer by the name of Enrique Partida, the late Enrique Partida. And really the philosophy of the brand and what we're trying to accomplish is expressing that flavor of fresh agave. Um, you know, agave is not an easy crop to grow. It's something that doesn't grow on an annual basis like, you know, grapes or grain or sugarcane. This is something that at minimum, at least with us, we wait eight years before we pull it out of the ground. So if you think about that, that's an awful lot of time. That's a lot of seasons that this plant is extracting minerals and character and flavor from the ground. Um, and that's, you know, that's why we, we put the name of the farmer on the brand and really what we're all about, which is fresh agave. So this is coming from the lowlands of Jalisco. And uh, generally speaking, the, the, the lowland uh, region has, is known for being a little bit more robust and vegetal. Uh, so I invite you guys all to take a, a little whiff of the spirit in front of you. Buttery, I get like a little chili note too. I smell like, like a nice- I get some like, pepper. Like, yeah, maybe like chili arbol. I milky. Milky? That's funny the, you say milky. Like a soft that's, that's funny you say that, because I think when you take a sip that, that you might, you might, that might kind of uh, confirm some of those, those aromas. Oh, butterscotch. I get, I get brininess. I get a lot of brine on this soap. So you get, yeah, some of that like saladito kind of thing where, you, you know, salt so, and sweet. It's a little minty to me too. What were you saying though? What'd you say? Like vanilla. Vanilla. I'm all getting like a, a little bit like a roasted. Yeah. Like napolitos maybe? Like oh yeah. No, nopales. Nopales. Like, yeah. Some of that, that kind of like that texture too. It's so, smooth. She's saying smooth. All right. Exactly. And yeah. He's saying like butter and, 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 and I, sh like I should have mentioned as the Silky, exactly. When you said milky, I was I was waiting for you to say silky. So do you guys but have we, glycerin? We, we got them both. Do you, well, use, do you texture? No, I should I should have mentioned. You know, as comparatively speaking to the the prior um, spirit that we tasted, which essentially represents the mass produced. You know, like the the the, the bottom shelf tequila. Um, with Partida, we very proudly claim that there are two ingredients in our tequila: agave and water. 100% natural, no additives. Um, that being said, you know, we are tequila. Tequila is the more industrialized version of agave spirits. So we kind of are a hybrid of, of modern production, being that we use autoclaves, we steam our agaves, and that's a stylistic choice. We're trying to create a more cleaner flavor profile, something that they know isn't necessarily influenced by a stone oven, but really is capturing what's coming from the ground, cooking so it distilling it. Let's explain for a second what an autoclave is. So an autoclave, you can think of it as a giant pressure cooker. Exactly. Okay. But I have a question. Are you putting 
the whole peen is inside the pressure cooker, or are you just putting agave juice inside the pressure cooker? No, these are whole piñas. So these okay. are they're they're, they're half so some producers stacked in evenly. Just use juice. Right, exactly. And so that's more of a of a diffuser method where you'll first shred the 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 agaves, extract them of their sugars. Uh, sometimes you know uh, unmature agaves being pulled out before they're ripe. Um, which again would represent more the hyper-industrialized version, which is what we would have tasted in that last mark. Uh, but no, these are whole agaves, which we are cooking. And again, autoclaves have the benefit of being able to uh, speed up the process, but we actually do a slower cook in, in our autoclaves, um, again, to try and find that, that happy middle ground. What is the duration? I'm sorry? What is the duration? So we're looking at 24 hours. Yeah. But you know, with hours slow cook in an autoclave. Exactly, yeah. And then again, to, to kind of go further into that that combination of, of uh, traditional methods and and modernized production, we're doing open fermentation, all natural. So these are again wild yeasts. So that's going to kind of contribute a little bit more of a funkiness, some more of those kind of uh, those wild notes that you're getting. What are you guys getting on this partita tequila blanco? Mm -hmm. Coffee, yeah, like it, it breathes, right? Like I get that coffee too. Like it, the second sip to me is really changing. Beautiful. Exactly. I mean, and I and I look at some of the best agave spirits. I look at, um, you know, not just the, the the nose and the taste, but the finish. How long it sits with you? What you get after that? And and just just like you're saying, I feel like with partida, you're getting a kind of a long finish. You're getting flavors that kind of develop over time. So again, it's something that you could really sip and uh, slowly enjoy and, and, and really just get those flavors. Beautiful, so if I was gonna buy a bottle of the Tequila Partida Blanco for my home bar, that's what we're talking about going home, right? Um, but how much is it gonna cost me in my local liquor store? Uh, 35 to 40. Wow, very affordable. For, for the Blanco? I think this is a delicious sipper to me and like, this rings the bell. This oh, nice absolutely, and, and, I, and I will comment on that note, um, so the first, uh, mezcal that you tried, uh, I purchased retail uh, for $95. The tequila that you tried actually sells for $120. Uh, and, wow. and then the third one you tried, you'd probably get for like 15 bucks. The first two are both very small batch. You're looking at ancestral production styles. You know, really these are special occasion spirits that you would, you know, enjoy. I guess also depending on, on you know, your, your well, in income level, but... but It's an anomaly in the fact that it's it's technically a tequila that's made in a very very old world style. And, yeah. and traditionally, like these mezcals, the ancestral mezcal was just made for your village. The masca mezcalero, they weren't thinking about selling it out beyond the people that they knew. Like, right. It and was again, the medicine of their village. If they made three hundred bottles, they're like that was big time. You know, like you right. Know, seriously, like yeah, and 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 you know, kind of. As I was uh, talking about a earlier, would be like know, this, a big production. You yeah, know? these were things. These were spirits that were used for special occasions, and and uh, you know only for for the most sacred of ceremonies. Really, it wasn't until tequila came around that that the the industrialization occurred, and now you know we can enjoy these spirits you know the world around. But that's also the reason that you're seeing some of these mezcals coming to market, and they're not sustainable. Like these these brands kind of come and go because they find this this mezcalero down in Oaxaca and they're like I will buy everything you can make yes and then a couple years right. go by and yeah, they find out like well that guy can't really make that much he's like the traditional method is 
it's not meant to the, be upscaled, the, the, you know? Yeah, the, the, the producers are definitely catching up to the demand right now, and it's kind of an interesting phase in, in Agave Spirits because right now there's it's such a, a hot commodity, but, you know, down, down in Oaxaca and in a lot of these villages, it's still very old world. You know, again, just like you're saying, it's, it's not mass production. It's just for their village. It's for, for local consumption. That's the tradition. It's for the people. It's for their people. What, yeah. we're, we're going five deep tonight. Um, exactly. What is this spark that we, Stephanie just brought so, around for everyone? Now we have uh, Tequila Partida Reposado. So a note on Reposado. Reposado translates to rested. So this is essentially a tequila that is rested in a oak barrel. In this case, it's six months. Uh, the category itself defines it as any uh, tequila that's aged between two months to a year. So we're looking at six months. A little note about oak aging. This was uh, kind of a concept that, that didn't really exist with mezcal. Like, you know, you, you know, old school mezcaleros weren't aging their spirits. They would drink it uh, straight. This was really an outcome, again, of that kind of um, uh, industrialization, so to speak, in terms of uh, early, early tequila producers thinking, how can we grow this brand? How can we take it to the world? So again, we can be sitting here and enjoying it. Uh, and that basically was inspired by, you know, cognac producers, scotch producers, because what they wanted to do, early tequila producers, was raise this agave spirit to the level of these high-end spirits so that it was appreciated, so that, you know, Mexican culture... With cognac and Yeah, whiskey. so that Mexican culture can be elevated to the world stage, so that we're talking about Mexican spirits, you know, not just locally when you go on vacation, but when you go to Europe or you go to America and you're asking somebody, what's a great high-end, you know, uh, expression of, spir of a spirit? You know, it's not just a single malt scotch that was aged for 12 years, but it's an agave spirit that it kind of develops some of these uh, more cask influences. So... Reposado, partida, six months in an oak barrel. I think it's pretty spectacular Ooh, what wow. happens as it sits. Six months is not a very long time, um, but again, you're starting with a base spirit of, of impeccable quality and character, so just those six months, you get a really nice uh, collaboration. So the American whiskey industry actually supplies the majority of, of, of barrels that you're seeing a lot of uh, spirits Asian, and that's just due to the fact that, that, you know, bourbon by definition has to be aged in new American oak, oak barrels that have not been touched by anything else. So once that's done, what do you do with it? Well, you have to find a use for it. So that's why, you know, it'll find its way in Scotland, it'll find its way in Europe and in Mexico. So in this case, you spotted it right, right off the bat. It's aged in a oak barrel that previously held whiskey. So that's the cool thing about, about aged tequilas, specifically reposados, is that you're really just seeing that, that raw agave flavor slightly altered. It's rested, a reposado. So that's why I find you get the most kind of interesting flavor profiles in reposados because mostly you're getting that agave-based flavor, just with a little bit of that cask influence, vanilla, butterscotch. But at the end of the day, most of what you're tasting is all of those flavors that we had in that initial Blanco with six months of cask influence. So, and again, in that Blanco, I do get a lot of those like green pepper kind of grassy notes. Um, and I think you add a little bit of vanilla butterscotch to that and it's really fun what happens. Yeah, yeah and, like, and as, you guys, as you guys taste this, I'm really excited to see what you think. Yeah. Uh, so we actually don't disclose which barrels they are. I, I haven't been told. Um, so I know that they are coming uh, 
I know they are coming from Kentucky. They previously held whiskey. Um, beyond that, um, your guess is good as mine, unfortunately. I'll tell you a little secret. If you look at the parent company to Partita, yeah. find out whatever whiskey company they also own. Yes. Boom, connect the dots. Exactly, and you're, you're welcome to go on that journey. Um, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm getting like pine and pepper and this beautiful like chocolatey caramel note from that bourbon cast. Like I definitely smell that bourbon note in there. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Easy sipper. Smells like Christmas. You're reading my mind right now. Wow, that is beautiful. Uh, retail, you're looking at about a, probably like a $7 price hike from the Blanco. So 45 to 50 depending on where you go. So much sweeter. Oh, you get really? a lot of sugar from that, from that, that barrel. But you guys it's don't add amazing. sugar after the fact. No, not at all. Again, I mean, so, so we're, we're owned by um, the Edrington Company. They're primarily known uh, for the Macallan brands and really throughout all of their brands, really what's the point of prestige for them is they only do you know, natural production. You know, the only thing you're getting in here is agave, water, and then cask influence. Beautiful spirit. What do you guys think? How many folks like the Blanco better than the Reposado? How many folks like, you like the first one? How many folks are Reposado drinkers? All right. Interesting. Pretty even split. All right, all right. Interesting. Wow, Interesting. this is really a great education. So thank you, Robin. Absolutely. Does no, anyone no, else thank have any you. other questions about what we did tonight with the comparative blind tasting and then exploring the Reposado and the Blanco side by side? Yeah, well, thank you guys so much. I know, I know, it's a you know, it's kind of a bit of a conceptual stretch that we went through here. Um, you know, I, I thought it was just a fun way to kind of, um, you know, go through like a progressive tasting and, and just explore the realm of agave spirits. Again, I work for Tequila Partida. It's a beautiful tequila coming from the lowlands of Jalisco. But at the end of the day, I'm passionate about all agave spirits. And uh, you know, the, there's there's kind of a, a walking proverb that says. Uh, Tequila is to wake the living, and mezcal is to wake the dead. <laughs> Regardless, alive or dead, I'm just happy to be enjoying agave spirits with all of you guys here. Cheers. Cheers hey. to that. Thank you salute, guys so salute. much. Thank you guys for coming out for Mezcal Collective. Yes. Let's Cheers. give it up for Robin Chopra. Tequila Partida. Really, you're brilliant stuff. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. That was excellent. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs>